Well, here we are on Kind of Sound Radio with a very special guest today, a dear friend of mine, Madan. How are you? Yeah, very good indeed, Giles. Today is a very special day, uh, the 11th of the 11th, 2020. Uh, we've just observed a two minute silence nationally, but also there's a lovely synchronicity between the uh, solar calendar, which we follow in the West, and, and the lunar calendar, which is followed in the East. So today is also uh, marked as Ikadashi, meaning the 11th day after the full moon. And this is a very special fasting day, a very powerful day. Uh, the day itself is said to be the Lord personified, giving his mercy today. So a very, very special day all round wonderful absolutely what a beautiful introduction that is indeed so we are broadcasting on kind of sound which is a the idea of it is to have a global community radio that's the idea of it so people can join in and share and i know that you have really been getting into podcasting recently tell us a little bit about your podcasting journey well, what, what happened is, is I, I've been quite busy on Facebook um, and I posted something. I actually posted the video of Dr. Andrew Kaufman speaking at Trafalgar Square. I believe you were there at Trafalgar Square and I posted that video. Anyway, Facebook decided to ban me uh, for sharing that, the post of that video. Um, so I thought, oh, well, if they've banned me, I'll, I'll look for another platform. So I looked around and I saw this Broadcast Yourself course with Brian Rose of London Real. Anyway, cut a long story short, I signed up for it. That was October the 23rd. Um, Facebook did reinstate me, which was fortunate because the, the entire course depends on interacting with people on Facebook. Right. But it, a, but it was a couple of weeks before they let me back in. So I've been a bit of a late starter. And now this time last week, Brian was you know, saying, well, you're, you're five weeks into the course and you've only got like one and a half episodes up. So anyway, I really pulled my finger out. I've now got 11 episodes up, Giles. And for me, this is deeply symbolic because I've called my podcast London Revelation and based it around the idea that London is actually revealed as the city of revelation through Chris Street's books. Uh, he, his original book was called uh, Earth Star, The Visionary Landscape, uh, which he re-entitled uh, London City of Revelation. So to me, this is the 12th episode the 12th podcast deeply symbolic as a, a 12th gate as as we're entering what's described in the bible as the new jerusalem the city of revelation it, it's symbolic language in the bible it's not easy language in the book of revelation but what it basically describes is the earth experiencing a transformation and a new state of consciousness descends like a bride adorned for her husband, and Babylon, the old order, collapses. And I believe that's happening today. All, all the indications are right now, actually, 11-11-2020.
And not a bad thing, it doesn't mean anything destructive. What it means is we're making a, a transition into the, a bright new dawn of, of a, a beautiful new world. And we can see that, you know, there's chaos in the world all around us. We don't have to look very far, do we, to see chaos. But this is, yeah, it's the old order breaking down. But, uh, yeah, what, what's your perspective, Giles, on what's happening at the moment? Well, it's quite a, quite a thing, really, isn't it? Um, you know, as you know, I run the World Healing Project. And when all of this, uh, quote, pandemic kicked off, I thought, well, I'm going to do a video with my, you know, the World Health Organization has declared its views. So the World, Healing, the World Healing Project is going to declare its views. I'm still yet to make that video because I think if I did, I would be banned from uh, YouTube. Uh, or, you know, already I have a lot of censorship. So I thought, you know, I'll just, I'll just hold my counsel and I'll get on with things that are really positive. You know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to really fill my life and my community with, with some good things and, and, and good visions for the future. And, and doing this, doing this radio session has been a part of it. And, you know, what I've been doing on my show awakening is interviewing different guests each week. It's great. It's just great. Cause you get to learn so much in the conversation. Yeah, you never know what's coming next in a conversation, do you? You never know what someone's going to say, what they're going to reveal. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I've, I've started interviewing people myself. And what we were talking about, Giles, what we were doing back in 2008 when we started the Heartwave parties and you were my MC for those six parties that we held in Camden. And I specifically chose the location of the Inspiral Lounge on Camden Lock because it was on that very powerful north-south axis of the London Earth Star. That's been doused as a 40-foot wide energy line uh, and we were right on it. But what we were talking about um, was reclaiming the airwaves, basically. We didn't know how that was going to happen. We didn't have any resources. You know, what have you and I got between us? You know, uh, next to the BBC, who, who employ 23,000 people around the world. But the BBC sits in the centre of the London Earth Star Broadcasting House, specifically Brock House. Next, to, they spent £700 million refurbishing the BBC. So next to BBC, the actual epicentre of, of this 400-mile... 400 square mile earth energy mandala is Brock House. Now that was renamed, it was before that, I only found out recently, it was Phil, Philharmonic Hall. Mm. So it had been a concert hall. Mm. Um, but that was built over where St. Paul's Portland Chapel, a mm. perfectly good church on consecrated ground had been demolished in 1905. And the church itself was sited above the Marylebone Basin, obviously an ancient place of veneration of, of yes. water in the earth. Yeah. But yeah, what we were talking about was reclaiming the airways, but we had no idea, you know, what that would actually mean. We, we just wanted to see, we wanted to broadcast good messages out into the world, didn't we? Light, love and peace, you know. <laughs> What, what's the message of Jesus? You know, when they asked him, what, what are the most important commandments? He said, 
Well, the greatest of the commandments are these. Love God with all your heart and mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And he also said, I've not come to change the old law. I've come to fulfill it. So when we see a breakdown of, of law and order, uh, you know, when we see people just because they've got vast amounts of money, they may be billionaires or even trillionaires, you know, with money derived from well, the richest industries are the what I call the OBCD and ET industries, oil banking, chemical drugs, and the electronics, telecommunications industries. They, they've generated billions and trillions. And there's nothing really surprising that, that when people or corporations have that, those kind of resources, that they want to dictate policy. And isn't this what we've seen in this last year? I mean, the BBC might as well have been called the PBC. It might as well have just been called the Pharmaceutical Broadcasting Corporation, you know, because they've just been running a sales pitch for the vaccine industry for the last eight months. And it's all falling apart. It's not credible. You know, we know these things aren't good for human health. They may be massively profitable for the pharmaceutical industry. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a better way ahead. You know, what I think what, what we're looking, sorry, but what we're looking at now is a, you know, people are looking around, aren't they, for alternatives, basically, and back to a more natural, simpler, more harmonious way of life. Yeah, go on, Giles. Sorry, I'm rattling on. What, no, it's fantastic. One of the things that I'm working on at the moment is called a New Eden, and it is based on that geometry that you're talking about of this city of revelation that in my vision that there's a central space of the perpetual choirs and around it these 12 uh you know places where people are living and and community and what i've done is i've sent this thing out just sent it out this morning actually so um hopefully it'll come through to you and it's a a, a map with 12 spaces on it and I'm asking people and I'm saying, what 12 principles could we incorporate? Should we use in our project to create the new Eden? So, you know, you don't have to give us 12, but what would, what would some of your ones be to, to bring about that, that return of paradise on earth? Well, I have a very good fit for your 12, Giles. And that would be what is referred to in the East the topmost authoritative scripture is the Srimad Bhagavatam. This is, this is accepted as the supreme authority in all matters. If there's any debates, it's settled on verses from the Bhagavatam. Obviously, for people who have faith in the Bhagavatam, uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam is described as the ripened fruit of the tree of Vedic knowledge. Um, and it's that, that Bhagavatam is non-different from God, presented uh, to the world by him through his literary incarnation, uh, Vyasadeva. Uh, and it's come to us in, in a literary form as, as a book in 12 cantos. Right. So these 12 cantos, yes, to me, these are the ultimate gates to the spiritual world. And what do they lead to? 
Braj, Vrindavan. This is the topmost part of the spiritual world. Um, and what do we find there? Uh, Krishna's pastime forests. There are 12 forests in Braj. And actually at this time, this time last year, I, I went out with my wife and, and two daughters. And this is the time of the year. We're in the most sacred month of the year right now. This is Kartik month. This is the month dedicated to Radha Damodar, actually, especially to the goddess. So all of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, the Hare Krishnas, they come from all over the world and from all over India. There's literally hundreds of thousands of people on pilgrimage, walking around Vrindavan, Krishna's home village, by the Jamuna River where Krishna used to play and sport and meet with his gopis and herd, herd his cows. So yeah, the 12 cantos of Srimad Bhagavatam leading to the 12 pastime forests of, of, of Braj, uh, at the pinnacle of the spiritual world, uh, that fit, fits the bill for me. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. So within that, within that system, one of the, the principal um, tools, if you like, is chanting. So could you tell, tell the listeners a little bit about, from your perspective, as a, a Hare Krishna devotee, but as a, also as a student of world religion, uh, tell what's the benefits of chanting? Well, sound is the primordial principle. I, I've actually interviewed, uh, I've got one of my podcast episodes, is me interviewing my Gurudev, and I asked him because I wanted him to pronounce the syllable om. And it's not om as in bomb, it's, it's pronounced more like om as in home. And that one syllable is comprised of three sounds. Ah, which represents God, the creator. Ooh, which represents the goddess, all of creation. And mm, which represents all living entities. So that one syllable comprised of three sounds. My Gurudev said, this syllable alone created the universe. <laughs> can you imagine anything more succinct but, but this is the power of god he can do anything i mean in in krishna's expansion as mahavishnu krishna doesn't um he's too busy playing with his friends in the forest to enter into to bother with creation so he expands as mahavishnu and now this is incomprehensible to us but mahavishnu is that expansion of the lord uh, from whom universes emanate from the pores of his skin. <laughs> we can't even comprehend any the size of any such being, but that's how he's described. So Krishna says, if you want to know me, love me. There's, you know, you can approach Krishna, uh, you know, from an intellectual point of view, but you'll only get so far. But, it, you know, like any person, he says, if you want to know me, love me. And if you want to love me, call my name. So when he incarnated 5,000 years ago, yeah, he's the supreme personality of Godhead. He's the possessor of all wealth, knowledge, strength, beauty. Um, 
wealth, knowledge, strength, beauty, and, and renunciation. There's six qualities there. Of course, I had to forget one. Um, and he supremely attractive person. When he came 5,000 years ago, he made a requirement that um, according to your capacity, according to your part, he would kind of fill your part according to your level of surrender. But when he incarnated 500 years ago, now this was at the time when Henry VIII was on the throne in England. We're talking um, 1484, 1486 to 1534. Lord Chaitanya came, but this was Krishna in the mood of his female half supremely merciful this incarnation when these incarnations come krishna followed by sri krishna chaitanya that came 500 years ago this happens once in every day of brahma so once every 8.64 billion years that's how extraordinary it is to, to take human birth at this time and when he comes in the form of lord chaitanya he just gives the holy name but saturated with praying saturated with pure love and he recommended particularly the chanting of Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare that 16 word mantra that 32 syllable mantra contains everything Hare is an invocation to the Supreme Goddess Krishna means all attractive. Rama, the, the greatest giver of pleasure. Now, it's beyond anything, any intellectual analysis or, or comprehension. But if you keep chanting that mantra, what, what will actually happen if you're sincere in calling out to God, he'll come. He will actually appear. It's said that the mantra itself, the holy name of God, is non-different from him. But if you really want to know him, it's, you know that it's said that when a student is ready, the teacher appears. So you call his name and somehow or other, you know, we can't arrange this thing, but somehow or other he arranges to appear before us as a great teacher. And I know that you met your line of you didn't directly meet yogananda did you he was before your time but you must have met his disciples someone who inspired you so like that i also met the Hare krishna devotees in london i was actually a motorcycle courier and funny enough one of our biggest customers was the bbc and i used to sit next to brock house bbc broadcasting house because that was about 100 yards away from my office when I found out that was the center of this massive earth energy mandala, I thought, I oh, know, I'll go and sit outside there between jobs and chant Hare Krishna. Mm. Anyway, I met the devotees, but I was constantly crossing Oxford Street, you know, in the course of my business, you know, delivering clothes and advertising stuff and bits and pieces and whatever it was I was carrying. And I was doing, you know, back in the 80s, I was making 500 pound a week as a single man living in a bedsit that cost me 37 pound a week. You can imagine. I didn't do anything responsible or sensible with the money, but you know, it was a happy time. But I used to see these people dancing down Oxford Street in robes, saris and dotis, throwing their arms in the air, drums and cymbals, Hare Krishna, Hare yeah, Krishna. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm quite happy. 
you know, here I am, Jack the yeah. lad, I'm making good money. I've got a nice yeah. big 750 motorbike. I've got my whole kind of image and friends and, you know, it's all going to parties and concerts and, but I was bored, you know? Yeah. And I just thought those people look so much happier than me. Yeah, so, right. So I, I went along to Soho Street Temple. It's just at the end of Oxford Street, just at the yeah. Tottenham Court Road end. I went in and, and I, I, to this day, I can remember, I just thought, oh, they've got a cafe for Harry Krishnas. I'll have some, I'll have, go and have some of that. I had a cheese and broccoli pie, Giles, yeah. and to this day, I still remember what it tasted like. I'd never tasted anything like it. And I just thought, why does their cheese and broccoli pie taste better than any other pie of it anyway? And it turns out that I, I soon learned that when you offer something to Krishna, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, if someone offers me with love, a leaf, a fruit, a flower or water, I will accept it. I mean, God's not hungry. He doesn't need our offerings. He's hungry for love, though. He wants to be loved. I mean, this is the nature of God. And he's not insecure you know, because he <laughs> he's perfectly happy. He's self-satisfied. But he knows that we will reach the peak of our happiness when we enter into a relationship with him which begins with yeah, calling his name chanting Hare Krishna any name in any tradition um, Jesus Christ Allah Ram Buddha what, whatever however you're attracted to him but especially offering your food because then it purifies you it, it, when it's offered to him and he accepts it it becomes non-different from him which is why that cheese and broccoli pie at that the International Society for Krishna Consciousness Cafe, the Iskong Cafe at so it's, it's why it tasted so amazing. Yeah. So of course I was like amazed and I got talking to the voters and they said, Oh, go upstairs. And this is where it got really amazing. You, you must have been to that temple, Charles. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that was my second home up there. Well, well you know, I, mean, I, of I was yeah, like I was raised Baptist and and you know, you know what the Baptists are like about, you know not having any kind of images or anything, you know, Baptist church, you know, very nice. I like, I got, yeah, not, to, yeah, decent I got to know a bit about Jesus, but there's no, there's no pictures on the wall. They won't even have a cross on the wall, the Baptists, you know, it's just a white room, you know, with a table at the front for the communion. And, you know, that's how I was brought up and that was fine. Right, right. Of course, dire warnings, dire warnings about images and don't worship images and statues. And, and I went in, and, you know, it was just that overwhelmingly beautiful little temple. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, and I, oh, I went up for the lunch program. That was it. And then, I, then they opened the curtains after lunch. Yeah. Well, the, the, the deity curtains. And, and then standing before me, it, these, these deity forms, this is Radha and Krishna, Radha Londonisrara, they call them. Yeah, yeah. Then they, and that was a that was beautiful because they're just physically beautiful. They dressed them beautifully and everything. But then they opened the curtain next to them, and there's Jagannath, Baladev, and Subhadra. And if they were not the absolute embodiment of everything, I've been warned not to bow down before the painted idols. But actually, they were so beautiful, mm. and the speciality. I mean, this is Krishna just in another form. And it's not that you're worshipping wood or marble or brass. It's just that the Lord is so kind that he manifests in a form 
through which you can reciprocate with him yeah. until you become qualified. You can't actually see God until you can see your own spiritual form. And that's a long process. Sure. Um, but in the meantime, you can go and worship the deity. But the speciality of Lord Jagannath is that once it, every year he comes out of the temple and hence the Rathiatra. Which, oh. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story about Srila Prabhupada. The first London Rathiatra, 1973. Right. He'd been ill. He'd been quite ill. You know, he was, he was an elderly man. He'd been quite ill and he came to London to, you know, help the devotees get going with the first Rathiatra. And he'd been ill for weeks. The Rathiatra procession with the big carts. With big three chariots, deities, yeah. Big chariots, um, you know, Jagannath, Baladev and Subhadra. This is Krishna and Balaram and their sister Subhadra. Yeah. You know, and, and it starts off at Hyde Park Corner. Uh, no, sorry, at Marble Arch, Marble Arch going down Park Lane, yeah. left at Hyde Park Corner, up Piccadilly, um, uh, across Piccadilly Circus, down, is it the Haymarket, then left onto Trafalgar Square. So you're talking a good mile and a half, maybe two miles. Do you know what? Srila Prabhupada, a man who'd been sick for weeks, he was, he was probably, what was he, how old was he at that time? He was about 70. Yeah. He danced all the way yeah. with his arms raised in the air. Yeah. <laughs> a 70 year old man. Just, <laughs> because just, he was in ecstasy. It, basically, he was demonstrating that, you know, we are not these bodies. That mm -hmm. was just, he was in pure spiritual ecstasy. He'd entered into, you know, his spiritual, it was his spiritual form that was carrying him on. And each think, one of us has, has a spiritual form in seed form. And that's what, that's what, the effect of, of chanting the Maha Mantra, the Hare Krishna Mantra, it's like watering that seed and it gradually grows. Mm. But that, that's when we have work to do. Like any, any seed, you have to, mm. like any gardener, you know, I'm a gardener. Mm. You have to protect it. You have to keep the weeds at bay. You have to keep watering it. They say that you water it, most of all, chanting the mantra, but most especially, this is the most powerful thing, is hearing... Harikata, they call it. This is um, the pastimes, stories about Krishna, philosophy of Krishna from a pure devotee. And when a pure devotee speaks to you, that sound vibration enters your ear and goes straight to your heart. Mm. And you don't know what effect that sound is having. Mm. And it's like, you know, we don't know what effect all sorts of sounds are having, but I, I know that the most beneficial uh, the most beneficial sounds that can enter your ears are, are God's holy names and, and the words spoken by pure devotees. And so I've been following this tradition, Giles, since 1984. I first met the devotees um, and I was initiated in, into the mantra in, in 19, very, by the grace of my Gurudev, in 1992. And just been chanting ever since and just trying to follow the process. It's not easy, you know, you know, but if you want the highest thing, then you're going to have to, you know, mm. make some effort to get it. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. And I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a self-realized soul. But what I can say to you, Giles, and, and, and all the listeners is I'm a great deal happier than I was back in the 80s. Even though I had all the money I needed and all mm. the material things, mm. those things don't really count. For very much what a beautiful what a beautiful message that is 
<laughs> Sorry, I was rattling on a bit. I do no, go it's on. Beautiful. Right? No, I mean, that's what you're here for, mate. That's what people want to hear. That's absolutely what people want to hear. That's a lovely, uh, beautiful, beautiful summation of it. Absolutely beautiful. One of the things I think connects to the, the current, you know, quote, pandemic and just life generally is the fear of death. And um, it's that wonderful, I don't know if you ever had that LP, Golden Avatar. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And it, uh, there's this song, it goes, You know you're not that body, you are a spirit soul, you know. And it's just that knowledge, you know, Babaji says that, that a little practice of yoga will, will help us overcome the greatest fear, which is the fear of death, because that process, that practice, that awareness connects us into who we truly are. We are the soul. We are the one with the, 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 the Lord, with the infinite. We are consciousness. We are uh, existence. We are bliss. Mm -hmm. So do you know what I mean? If we're in that, it doesn't, what does it matter? What are, you know, what we can live more fearlessly. We can live more fully in that consciousness but it's how do we get into that awareness how do we immerse ourselves in that awareness and i think that chanting is one of the most effective ways to do that is to really absorb our mind because when we're in that process the monkey mind which is always pulling us always you know taking us the monkey mind becomes content because it's got the ideal banana and one of the right. things that i I always really appreciated about your guru Dave was when he said, chant, chant, the, chant the names that are suited to you, that he may have given a, a, a supremacy to the Mahamantra. However, mm -hmm. he was very open-minded in an, an understanding that this divine vibration is in these, um, these in these sounds and they might have different cultural aspects that if we say Rama or we say Allah or we say Hallelujah or Hare Krishna or Wankantanka they have this incredible similarity and I think that if we can focus on those the things that join us and the things that unite us then we can use sound in such an incredible way can't we Sound is the most um, powerful thing in existence. Sound created this universe and sound uh, properly applied can carry us all the way to the spiritual world. And if, if, if the, the, the test of the success of human life is where your consciousness is at at the time of death. So yeah, souls don't die. You know, there, there never was a time when we did not exist, nor shall there be. I'm just paraphrasing. I, I had the opportunity to, to um, do some editing and, and render a, a version of Bhagavad Gita into decent English back in 2000. And it was just so beautiful. I had eight weeks in Vrindavan, Krishna's birthplace. And I just wrote a, a, a poetic version of it because many people will never read Bhagavad Gita. But the eternality of the soul, I mean, how reassuring is that? We never die. 
There never was a time when we did not exist, nor shall there be. We live for all eternity. Your spirit, soul, you'll never die. You can't be killed, and nor can I. Human life in mortal frame is one brief scene in nature's game where you get to play a leading role. Now's the time to learn about yourself, the soul, life's deepest meaning and its goal. There's a subjective evolution alongside human devolution, whereby a soul can truly rise beyond birth, growth and demise. All that's born will surely die. All civilizations, however high achievements climb, fall crumbling at the feet of time, who springs from me, a mere particle of my energy. I am the source of time and space, inviting you to take your place in the eternal family home you've heard about but never known. I'm the taste in water and music's tune, the fiery sun and nectar-filled moon that nourishes all vegetation. I am the source of all creation. Of course, I was just paraphrasing Krishna from Bhagavad Gita there. That was just page one of a seven-page poem. And that's the only bit that I can remember. But it's, it's that basic truth. And truth really does resonate. It has such a, a value to us. The soul recognizes truth when we hear it. I mean, to me, a man is not defined by his mu muscles don't make the man and aggression doesn't lend authority to anyone. To me, a real man is someone who speaks the truth, but especially an exemplary man is someone who not only speaks the truth, but he lives the truth that he speaks. That is a spiritual master. And that has been my great privilege to take shelter and, and be initiated and guided. I had 19 years with Srila Bhaktivedanta Narayan Goswami Maharaj, the successor Acharya of the Hare Krishnas. And he was, everything he did was just exemplary. And I'll tell you this Giles, he was the richest man in the world. Nobody even came close to him. Mm. I mean, you know, millionaires and billionaires would, would come to him. Mm. Um, he wasn't into, he didn't want, he, all he owned was, you know, he had a few changes of clothes, you know, very immaculately clean and, and a stick, a dunder, you know, which, which is the, the mark of a, a sannyasi. And he was just, same routine every day, chanting Hare Krishna. He would chant, like I struggled to chant 16 rounds a day. It takes a couple of hours. He would chant 64 rounds a day. He would be giving classes two, three times a day. He was dealing with, he was like a king, you know, yet he was a simple penniless monk at the same time. But because of, he, he exuded pure love. He was, he was from the spiritual world. I mean, this is, this is the mark of an Acharya. An Acharya means one who teaches by example, you know, a, a prominent leader. Mm. It becomes apparent in somebody's lifetime, and they're usually not acknowledged until after they've left this world. My, my Gurudev departed this world in 2010. But it's also said that the spiritual master lives forever by his divine instructions. That, you know full well when you read the words of a spiritual master, they're relevant, you know, whether they were spoken by Krishna 5,000 years ago or 500 years ago by Lord Chaitanya and, and his followers, like the six Goswamis who put everything into book form or, yeah, modern day teachers. I, I'm just a student, but when you hear from these great realized souls, 
They speak Tattva Siddhanta. Tattva means revealed truth, and Siddhanta means perfect conclusion. And if we think these words aren't, aren't connected to our, our language, well, if somebody speaks something which is against scripture, it's referred to as Appa Siddhanta. And if you, Anta means end, Siddha means perfect. And if you think about Appa Siddhanta, it sounds very much like opposite end. Opposite end, Appa Siddhanta. Opposite end, Appa Siddhanta. <laughs> and actually, the Welsh language, and when I live in Wales, the, the, the teachers of the Welsh language acknowledge that it's coming from Sanskrit. And the reason for that is because the Vedic culture pervaded the world. It was worldwide. So the Druids were Vedic Brahmins. Uh, Peter Beres Fidelis, the great expert on Celtic history, acknowledged the word Druid means Drew, immersed in Vid, which is the verb root of Veda. So a Druid was one who was immersed in knowledge, which is why they were the guides for all of society, the teachers, the magistrates, the dispensers of law. So the most famous Druid in Wales, uh, the oldest town in Wales is named after him, Carmarthen, means Cairn means the seat of Merlin. And he was the advisor to King Arthur, the second King Arthur, who has been historically proven by Alan Wilson, the great forensic historian. He did the most thorough uh, examination of history, and he found all of the relevant stones and documents. And there was a King Arthur, and yeah, he's been written off as myth and legend because he was a Vedic style king basically a king with a mood of service to the people not dominion over the people but someone who would protect his people and the great Pax Arcturus lasted for 20 years under the, the legendary King Arthur but he was a real personality of course many stories and legends have grown up around him but this is this is the standard so a civilized human society is always guided by the wise and an uncivilized human society. It may be very sophisticated and there may be a lot of wealth and comfort, but an uncivilized human society ruled by the rich. And that's what we've seen. We haven't really known anything else for decades. Well, essentially, you know, the people with the most money dictate policy. You know, whoever's got the most money, guns, manpower and media influence at their disposal gets to dictate policy. So, you know, we've seen what a circus uh, parliament and, and, you know, Congress, you know, turn into because these, these politicians in, in Vedic culture, a politician is considered to be the lowest of the low because it, it's well known that they can be bought you know, their services can be purchased, you know, like academics in universities or, or, or scientists in laboratories, they'll, they'll basically say anything for a big fat fee. Uh, and they don't care. But, you know, the unfortunate aspect of that is, you know, we end, end up with an education system that doesn't educate. Um, we end up with pseudoscience. Uh, and we end up with administrators who actually don't know how to run a country because they're not principled people. If you have honest and truthful people at the head of society, you have a happy society and everyone's looked after. Yeah. Or oh, I could uh, go I into one, couldn't I? But I'll, I'll 
<laughs> no, I think, no, absolutely. And it's good that we're aware of these things, you know, I mean, on the kind of sound, my, my session is in the well-being uh, thing, my awaken. And I say, you know, sometimes we've got to look at these issues, some of these more difficult issues so that we can heal them. This is, this is all about well-being. This, mm -hmm. this uncovering and this healing and this awareness, but also the uh, presentation of of a better way. Uh -huh. You know, the, uh, and, and that you're talking about King Arthur there, and you know, it was all about the the return of paradise, wasn't it? It was, you know, the the the, the return of the Grail, uh, the story of Saint George and the Dragon. You know, the story finishes off. George tames the dragon, and there's the return of paradise. It's how these stories finish. It's the it's the means that we use to achieve, uh, you know, these objectives. And one of the things I wanted to to talk to you about, I know you've got a lot of knowledge about and a lot of engagement with, um, um, with me joyfully for many years, is the idea of this round table. So you could say the round table is the Earth Star, and I know that's something that you, you looked into a lot on your own podcast. So please do check those out. The links are going to be in the uh, in the description on the kind of sound stuff of your your stuff you're doing your anchor stuff. But another round table I would suggest is the perpetual choirs. So Indeed. for people who don't know anything about this, what are the perpetual choirs? Well, I first came across these. They were mentioned in Chris Street's famous book, which was originally Earth Stars, The Visionary Landscape, later reprinted now in paperback as London City of Revelation, also available as an e-book. And you can get that on www.earthstars.co.uk. Um, yeah, I came across this reference to perpetual choirs. Um, and extraordinarily for me, um, I found myself living in the center of the, yeah, I mean. So you know, just I, like before you'd been in London, and you'd been in the center of the earth side, now you find yourself, this is amazing. I came across Chris Street's book um, in, about, just after it was published around 1990, I found a copy in Conway Hall, famous Srila Prabhupada spoke at Conway Hall in, in WC1, up the end of Hoban there. Mm. Um, yeah, famous motto above Conway Hall, I think it says, be true to thyself, you know, which is, you know, something we, you, you need to know what self actually means, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. we're not, we're not our bodies, you know, we're not these bodies, this is just temporary clothing, you know, I'm, I'm not the clothes I wear, I'm not the house I live in, I'm not the car I drive, but these bodies are temporary clothing, so they are temporary vehicles and they are, yeah, temporary places of, of residence. So anyway, yeah, I came across that book and yeah, I, I chanted Harry Krishna outside Brock House, the BBC building in the center of the Earth Star. And, you know, fate, I, I, and I, yeah, I went off and joined the Harry Krishnas in 1996, years after I met, I met them. I went to live in their temple in Leicester. So it turns out, you know, I felt like I said, I was just going to be a monk and live in a temple for the rest of my life. And 10 months later, I found myself wanting to get out there because I wanted to meet a genuine spiritual master and no disrespect to the, to the ISKCON gurus. They helped me a great deal along the way, but I just, I just had a sense. I don't want to consign my eternal soul into the hands of, you know, some American dude, you know, who was probably smoking pot 20 years ago, you know, no disrespect, but I really wanted 
uh, basically I prayed to Srila Prabhupada, please, I want a guru like you. And a week after I prayed to him like that, literally a week, three people turned up on my doorstep at the Hare Krishna temple in Leicester. Yeah. And I opened yeah. the door and it was an evening. I'll never forget this. I opened the door and there was three people in white from head to toe. They looked, just looked like three angels. Yeah. Two yeah. beautiful women and, and yeah. you know, a pretty nice, nice guy. And, and I, was, I just, I, <laughs> I'd put on saffron cloth and decided I was going to be a celibate monk. Anyway, that all fell apart. Anyway, cut a long story short. I married one of the girls and <laughs> as you do. And, uh, ended up her parents lived over in the near the Malvern Hills I think in Pershaw Vishaka was my first wife bless her and um, yeah so and then yeah I just found out more about the perpetual choirs which, which spread out from the Malvern Hills so the Malvern Hills if you can imagine uh, the radius of a big circle spreading out from the Malvern Hills it's 125 miles wide um, so and it's got 10 major points on it. So you've got Glastonbury, uh, Stonehenge, uh, Clantwit Major, yeah, Clandovery, yeah. we're in Wales now, Carno, Ellesmere, Utoxeter, Croft Hill near Leicester, yeah, ironically, yeah. And, and Stony Stratford, that's over near Milton Keynes. So I was in the middle of, of you know, and Goring on Thames as Gore. well. Yeah. Which, which refers to a place of choirs and that just brought to mind actually it, so I'll, I'll hold up my famous you recognize this poster don't you the famous Heartwave poster mm. well I I made that poster this is this is Krishna Chaitanya and his brother Nityananda and Lord Chaitanya has got his, sto his toe on Stonehenge and Lord Nityananda's got his toe on Glastonbury. Well, the Welsh, I just, I just wanted to throw this in as an aside. The Welsh name for Stonehenge, Choir Gore, G-A-W-R. This is Gore Nittai. It's one of it, Gore means golden. So there's just an extraordinary connection there. And of course, choir, well, a place of, of singing. So yeah, the perpetual choirs, John Michel described these choirs the, and these are referred to back in the ancient Welsh triads, the ancient history books of Wales. Definitely three places. We don't know if it was all ten places, but they all fit around the circle. But definitely at, at Stonehenge, Glastonbury and Clantwit Major, it's said that a, a thousand monks, I think it was a thousand, in, in shifts of 100 every hour they would maintain a chant uh, and that went round the clock hence the circle of perpetual choirs um of course you know so much historical knowledge has been lost but then of course britain which had fully fledged vedic culture uh with with the druids and and you know king arthur as the last well anyway we were you know britain was eventually successfully invaded by the Romans and, and we get the Roman version of history but but it's an important to point of history you never get told actually that when the Romans first invaded this country I mean this was the Roman army they had stormed across Europe and they had just taken everything well when they got to Britain they got halfway across Kent they got pinned down and repelled by the Celtic warriors 
And no, the Romans didn't build those roads. They may have paved over them, but those ancient roads were actually chariot tracks, um, you know, laid down by the Celts, which meant that it, they could mobilize very quickly and, and bring their troops from all over the country, which they did, and they defeated the Roman soldiers. It, it was only by, you know, diplomacy and, and intermarriage and this, that and the other that the Romans managed to weasel their way in a hundred years later. Mm. But they had a great deal of respect for the Celtic warriors. And I think about a hundred years before that, the Celtic warriors, they were always fighting with the Romans. Celtic culture was all across Europe, um, but the Romans were determined to wipe it out. But at one point, the Celtic warriors, you know, sometimes they won, sometimes they lost, but at one point they sacked Rome. They actually occupied Rome. Can you imagine how embarrassing that is, you know, for the Romans yeah. <laughs> to have your capital city taken? And, and they, uh, but of course they were nomadic and they didn't want a city and they, and they, they left it. But uh, there's a massive part of our history, Giles, that we have not been told where sure. we're coming from. Yeah. Because the Roman Empire, um, it didn't decline. This, this is nonsense. You know, so the, the emperors and senators were simply replaced by popes and cardinals. Mm -hmm. So instead of terrorizing the world with soldiers, they terrorized the world with a book that right. no one was allowed to read. <laughs> right. It's a great deal yeah. more cost, cost effective, really, when you think about it, isn't it? Well, it's, 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 it's clever, isn't it? And you could say now they're terrorizing us with the mainstream media and with social media. Well, look, why is such a good reason to have alternatives, isn't it? Like the things that we're doing here, you know, we're getting this information out there. Well, it, and if, the if, truth if, is the truth. If, if the Roman Empire declined in the 6th century, why is Washington DC a replica of Rome? Well, it's a, why, nice, it's a nice building, why, isn't it? You know, let, I mean, let's face it, you know, look, they, I'm, I'm they did build some good stuff in Rome. Oh yeah. But Very, you know, harmonic proportions. But all of Washington DC, but this is where it gets interesting, all of Washington DC is laid out on yeah, pentagram geometry, inverted pentagram. But I don't know if you're aware of this, Giles, but they didn't use the ancient imperial units of measurement, which we know the feet, the inch, the yard, the furlong chain, all these things, they're all completely harmonious with planetary proportions. When Washington was built, it was laid out using uh, the metric system. Was it really? And, oh yeah. And then the meter is not harmonious. In fact, um, the different units, they never actually finalized a, a meter. When you read about this, I think this is John Neal. Was it John Neal? It's all John done Neal, with yeah. whatever. Yeah, um, John Neal. He, he mentions in there that they never actually finalized a, a proper unit of length for the, for the meter. And taking the different units, the best and the worst going across America, by the time you got from one side to another, you had about 10 miles difference, you know, that, that there was, you know, there was a significant difference between what they were calling the meter. Well, it's interesting, uh, isn't it? For uh, us, for us in Britain, we're still, you know, we're still, um, oh, how many miles is it? We're still on the old school, aren't we? Well, and if I ask, you know, you ask anyone, how, how tall are you in meters and centimeters? They'll just look at you completely blank. Don't I, don't know, know. I don't know. 
I mean, I, I know that a meter is about 40 inches and two meters, you know, if someone's two meters tall, they're like over six foot six. But ask me how tall, you know, I'm like 5'11". Ask me what that is in meters and centimeters. He's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, there's, you a, say there's someone... a sense in it, isn't there? It's like, yeah. it's like a foot. Well, that's a foot. <laughs> you know, this, yeah. this is about an inch, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a naturalness in it which which is harmonic and it's it's um john michelle writes about they had you know when they they the the, the anti-metrication board he set up and they had all yeah. these media events back in the day of like you know the football and all this yeah. and he said they you know they they i mean in america as well, particularly they wouldn't they wouldn't stand for it they wouldn't stand for uh, the metric system obviously some of it is convenient and, and you know you might want to i i when i'm uh when i'm doing diy i've got my ruler and sometimes i will measure in centimeters it's just convenient yeah. for my measurement and well, sometimes i'll do it in inches but the the, the 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 salient point about the metric system of measurement is its its emphasis is on uh quantity and the salient point about the imperial units of measurement is the emphasis is all on proportion. And this, this is said in the Vedas that Vishnu, God himself, resides in proportion. So if, if a building is, is built harmoniously, you know, according to these, you know, ancient, you know, uh, like coefficients, what is it, the golden mean and, mm. um, you know, certain proportions. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like when you walk into a building that has been built on those proportions, it immediately lifts your spirits. Yeah. And the people and who have this knowledge also have used it, haven't they? The credit card is based on the golden mean. You yeah. know, the iPhone is based on, you know, all of these things. And so they make it attractive. So you want to use it. Good to know their tricks. But certainly if we're creating things and the and perpetual choirs is based on that harmonic isn't it and the the connection of the perpetual choir circle i got an email once from chris street and he said oh i've just been looking at some measurements it's a you know a proportion of the earth star that there was this complete interconnection between these things so to wrap things up we're going this cosmic uh cosmic time that we've been doing this session today final thoughts from you madame about how we can bring about the new Eden, about how we can heal the world, how we can broadcast the truth out. We've done it, Giles. We've been working on this um, well, ever since I met you. You know, this has been a calling in our lives that mm. uh, we may have been pioneers in certain areas, you know, in, in bringing people's interests to um, yeah, sacred places. So what, what I w wanted to do with my London revelation podcast on, on, on Anchor FM um, is basically draw people's attention to the underlying sacred geometry of London because it's it's basically a way of establishing faith in a, a divine design this is something much much bigger than than any 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 human beings could have worked out you know this this is stuff you know that, that reflects earth and moon proportions um, so, yeah, what, what I want to encourage people to do is go to sacred places, you know, find out where they are. Like the Earth Stars book is just a map of, of London's numerous sacred places. You've got places like um, uh, Primrose Hill. Um, oh, there are so many places. Pollard's Hill in, in South London. 
the third my favorite is the 13 tree circle in yeah. green park green park yeah oh, this place is just to go and chant and feel the energy so um, so if you're in london go to some of those places we've got people on kind of sound listening all around the world go to your local sacred places meditate so sing and chant you know obviously i'm you know I, i'm in the tradition of chant Hare krishna but you can chant om you can call out to jesus buddha allah ram who, whoever you have your faith in you know but the most powerful it's said that chanting quietly is powerful chanting out loud is a hundred times more powerful chanting out loud in groups is a hundred times more powerful than that so ten thousand times more powerful than chanting quietly this is why when lord chaitanya came he, he left this beautiful yep he he, he condensed the, the vedas down into eight verses and it, at the end of the first verse this was his statement param vijayate shri krishna sankirtanam and he was declaring supreme victory to the congregational chanting of the Lord's holy names. So this victory has actually already been done. It's the fact that he's come means that he's been victorious. He's not sitting there scratching his head wondering, oh, I wonder if I'm going to win, if I'm going to win or, or if these guys with all the money are going to take over the world. No, he knows that this will catch on like wildfire because as soon as you start chanting, you become happier. And what is more tangible than your own happiness? Mm. You just can't deny it, can you? You know, I mean, I wasn't unhappy back in the 80s, but I was a bit yeah. unsatisfied. Yeah. But I'm a much happier, much more fulfilled man now because of, yeah, chanting Hare Krishna. I can't tell you how it works. All I can tell you is, oh, it works. And yeah, this is going all around the world. And I'll just say one last thing. When Krishna was addressing Arjuna, at the Battle of Kurukshetra, this is where he spoke the 700 perfectly metered Sanskrit verses. Before a battle, there was millions of men lined up, all ready to do battle. And Arjuna was feeling like a bit despondent. Oh, I don't want to go into battle. I can see all my teachers and uncles and friends out. And Krishna said, no, while speaking learned words, you are mourning for what is not worthy of grief. The soul does not die. And at that point, Krishna took the role of spiritual master and then went on to explain, you don't have to worry, Arjuna, um, because this battle is already won. All of your opponents are already dead. What matters to you is that you stand up and be a man and do your duty, because if you walk off this battlefield, you know, death is worth, worse than dishonor for a warrior. If you walk off this battlefield, that will be how you'll be remembered for the rest of history. So get up there and do your duty. Do thou fight for the sake of fighting. Well, we've been fighting this battle for a very long time. Not just you and me, Giles, millions of people. We are the 99%. And it's not 1% of people who control the money in the world and, and all the crazy stuff. It's way less than that. You know, we're, we're talking a handful of people, maybe two, three, four thousand people. But there's 7.8 billion human beings on this planet. And we've like, reached the point, you know, you can tolerate so much nonsense, but you know, you know, on a, a school playground, how long can one kid uh, bully 10,000 other kids for before sure, they all say, sure. hang on a minute, you know, we don't have to put up with this. So well, we've reached that, we've reached that point. We have entered, uh, uh, today, Giles, was a, a key day, 11-11-2020. We're here, mate we're here yeah of course we've still got a way to go and it's not going to be downhill 
Yeah. But you know, we're seeing the old order fall apart because it's yesterday's men trying to employ yesterday's methods to drag us all back into yesterday's world. But we've moved into today's world in the present, in the moment, chant God's holy names, especially at the sacred places. That's what holidays means, holy days. Go and visit the sacred places, go and do your pilgrimage. And as far as lockdown is concerned, yeah, we're all in prison here. We've all been locked down here since time immemorial. Now we can break free. Let's break the free. Of holy names. Let's break free, Charles. Let's and break through. Just maybe so we much. can just sing this to, that, to finish with the Ma Mantra. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. <laughs> Thank you, Giles. Thank you, Beautiful. my man.